Welcome to the podcast, The Storyteller, in which we talk to South Africans who have a special story to tell. Kirsten Thomas is a young doctor working on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic in South Africa. Her commitment to medicine began when she was a volunteer paramedic. It's such a privilege to be able to meet different patients and different people um, and get to know people on such an intimate and private personal level within just meeting them. And I think for me, that connection of being exposed to different cultures and different people and being able to generally try and help um, is really quite a satisfying sensation and um, it motivates you to do it again and again and again. Uh, so it's definitely something I, I really enjoyed. Um, and I kind of, the, the mixture of being able to engage and to meet people as well as to use your brain and to be in quite a high pressure situation and have to think on your feet and act and improvise was something that I definitely enjoyed. In, in your world and, and in your reality, what was a paramedic's life like? So it's, it's quite a high-paced job, um, you, but it's, it's also really fun. It's very much a team approach. So you know all the people that are working around you. You, you have a partner who's like very close to you, who you work with, um, even though that partner changes on a shift-to-shift basis. But um, you're going out into the community. Uh, the vast majority of the calls that we see here are people who simply don't have the means to get to the hospital. And as such, often you see presentations are left quite late and people are quite severely ill. And it's really nice to be able to say we have this service um, and that we are able to link people to the care that they need. I know that in other countries in Africa, it's, it's really not as advanced as we have here. And so it is something that we're quite proud of. And it's really um, it's fulfilling to be able to provide a service that is so needed. So can you give me some idea of case studies that you've actually did treat as a paramedic? Um, I think the ones that kind of burn um, a hole into you, excuse the pun a bit, is, um, are like the, the, the horrific ones. So unfortunately um, in Harpe, so I worked a lot for Harpe EMS in my initial years of um, training. And in Harpe, they have quite often have shack fires. And so we did see um, some quite severe and quite awful incidences around shack fires and treating patients with burns and getting them to hospital and getting them treated and that. It sounds to me that also being a paramedic means that you have to be a bit of an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> Maybe that might be why also it appealed to you. Am I grabbing at straws there no no I think um, the more I've been thinking about this kind of concept is that it's rather than adrenaline junkie it's it's kind of being in these very intense situations where 100% focus is absolutely essential to getting good outcomes people often equate it to a loss of control um, being in an adrenaline whereas I think it's more having complete control and to be in a situation which requires such complete control and such precision in order to have good outcomes. And I think that's, for me, that's something that I, I quite enjoy and I thrive off. 
So being able to keep your head when all around you are losing theirs. Yeah, to try and create a little bit of order in the chaos, I guess. Kirsten studied medicine at Stellenbosch University and is currently completing her internship at a public hospital in Cape Town. But the arrival of the pandemic has turned everything upside down. So it's definitely, it's, it's impacted us in multiple ways. Um, so the first thing is um, being a junior doctor, we are on the front line of it. So they've, our rotations have been adjusted to allow us to, um, to be working specifically dealing with coronavirus cases and assisting with that section. Um, it's definitely consumed a large portion of the hospital work um, and like a large portion of the hospital beds are now um, dedicated to that um, just because of the severity and the impact. We've had to cancel all our elective cases like all other hospitals and so and also all our outpatient visits. So it's it's had multiple, multiple impacts both to me personally um, on a work level as well as definitely more so to patients. Um, I think those getting affected with it and with severe disease um, it really is um, horrible and unfortunate because during this time, if you are ill with it, you're not allowed any family members to come see and see you and visit. And so it's very difficult, um, both for the patient being affected by it, as well as the family members on the outside, you're kind of lost and don't really know what's going on. And as the doctor, we kind of have to be the middleman trying to explain things and keep families up to date and reassure mm. patients, which is quite difficult when we, we're not too sure what the outcome is going to be. That's very difficult. Yeah, so I think the, the, the big thing for us is we need to identify and manage everything that we can. So it's normally um, we see other comorbidities um, or other illnesses um, coming up when patients are infected. So managing people's sugars, making sure that if they have infections that are other than coronavirus, um, that they are appropriately managed and a lot of supportive therapy. So managing symptoms and signs, um, but the actual virus itself, um, it, it just takes time essentially and keeping all the other factors under control is kind of the, the essence of all we can do. And is this uh, almost the entire hospital that is um, dealing with the virus or are the other sections of the hospital still operating? So the whole hospital is definitely um, affected by it, but um, I'd say it's probably around two-thirds um, that are completely affected by this and then maybe a third where... Um, which can still continue as normal. So we still have obstetrics and gynecology as well as surgery um, and pediatrics. And within these, we kind of having now to subdivide as well with coronavirus being quite um, prevalent. So you mentioned that um, this has affected you in terms of your continuing education as a doctor because surgery has been put on hold. Um, how do you feel about that? Because that's going to now mean that uh, your studying uh, to be a doctor is going to be extended even further. Yeah, so I think everyone, I mean, across the world is being impacted by this in one way or the other. Um, definitely as a trainee doctor, we are 
being negatively impacted in the sense that we're not getting um, the exposure to the common everyday things. Um, and now we're just seeing more of the emergencies and we're also spending a lot of time doing this. But then on the other hand, we have this privilege of seeing this global pandemic um, fold out in front of us to be on the front lines in something of this size. Um, I really think also has a lot of um, benefits in our education and in our development as a doctor. And I think that um, it's not all bad from a training perspective, but obviously, you know, everything has an up and a down. So uh, this is always the question that I'm sure that you get asked all the time is, do you worry about catching coronavirus? Because you are on the front line. So I, I think for me, I'm, I'm just because of the personality and my outlook, I, I tend not to worry too much about that. Um, it, it, it's a definitely a reality, but it's, um, I think if I'm fearful of it, it will definitely negatively impact my functioning. I think for me, I'm more worried about infecting my family or infecting other patients if I do get it. So I just make sure that I'm washing my hands, I'm wearing my mask, I'm keeping distance and, and I think, you know, implementing all these measures and working with patients with coronavirus in such a close environment and still not getting it shows that a lot of these measures do really work. Mm. A comment you made earlier about the fact that you, it's, you're not only dealing with, with the patients uh, who have COVID, but with their families who, who can't come in contact with them. How do you reassure a family who, who want to, to know what's happening to their loved one, who want to actually be there for their loved one? Um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, people dying without being able to see their family or talk to their family. Yeah, so it, it really, I think for me, that's one of the, the most challenging things to see and to deal with because not just patients with coronavirus, but all patients in the hospital aren't able to see their family. So we're not allowing any visitors into the hospital at all. Um, and so many patients who are, you know, at end of life or um, we're trying to palliate, it's, it makes our job extremely difficult when you don't have the family there um, and you aren't able to have meetings and sit down with the family and discuss the treatment plan and what's going on. And um, so it's very difficult to try and convey to families what you're seeing in front of you um, when you're not having these face-to-face -face interactions. So it's, it's extremely lonely and it's um, extremely frustrating for both the doctors, the patients and the family members to be in these situations. We have tried methods, um, but it's also it's very time-consuming and also resource-consuming is to um, do video calls with the family members, with the patients. But often, um, as doctors, we really are quite thinly staffed to start off with. So doing these kind of measures are quite difficult to implement. Also, um, you know, our poor population often don't have video phones or um, those kind of resources or data to do it. So it's, it's not really as widely accessible as we'd like. Um, and then it's, it's very difficult for us also with coronavirus to predict which way the disease is going to go and if people are going to recover fully or have an adverse outcome. So it's, it's very difficult, I think, for us um, to give closure and to give family members, as well as patients, the career that we would like to give them.
uh, as far as I understand, the old age homes are also quite limited now in allowing visitors. So I think for our elderly population, um, my my heart and my sympathies really do go out because it's it's an extremely lonely time and challenging time for them. Kirsten finds the best way to de-stress is by tackling adventure sports like surfing, rock climbing and paragliding. So I've been paragliding, um, much to my mother's disgust, for the past five years. Um, it's, it's a lovely, lovely sport. It gives you a freedom like nothing else I've ever experienced. Um, also a very calculated uh, it takes a lot of concentration and focus, but extremely rewarding. Um, I have unfortunately had a bit of an incident a few years ago, um, which resulted in a broken pelvis and broken wrist, but I've recovered very well from it. Okay. What did you run out of wind? <laughs> essentially, essentially. I was um, in the French Alps and I was doing a cross-country flight and um, I was in the middle of the mountain ranges and there was limited place to land and I was losing wind. So I had to essentially find somewhere to land. And I was just above the trees and I ended up um, having a stall of my glider, um, probably about five meters off the ground and yeah, resulted in a few injuries. <laughs> a broken <laughs> pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot about understanding the geography and the mountains and um, you get a lot of signals and clues from birds, seeing them thermaling as well. And so it's, it's very much a calculated sport, um, but also extremely relaxing and rewarding. So, Kirsten, um, are you thinking in terms of the future or are you just thinking in terms of one day at a time? Um, I'm definitely a dreamer. So I'm, I've got like about 20 different futures that I'm thinking of simultaneously. Um, but I think it's important to both plan for the future, but then also be in the present moment and make sure that you're behaving in a way today that will impact your future long term. A special thanks to Freesound. This podcast was brought to you by Digital Storyteller.